On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Now, if you listen to Locked On Kentucky on a regular basis, you're going to get info on the cast that you just won't get anywhere else. That's how good of a writer, sports writer, Kyle Tucker is, I'm <laughs> telling you. Oh, yeah. And here's what we're talking about today. We're going to start with UK football and then uh, probably carry some more of the UK football stuff into the second segment. Uh, we'll see where it takes us, but uh, third segment, we'll definitely talk about the early signing period as it relates to UK basketball, because uh, we're moving on from that win uh, Evansville had over Kentucky, that upset. We may mention it a little bit, but uh, uh, I think everybody else is, what else can you say? <laughs> Everyone wants is ready to forget to, about it? Yeah. 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 They want to move on from that, but it was a great celebration for Walter McCarty, no doubt about it. Yeah, it was, uh, that, that's what I wrote about, kind of focused on um, in my story for today. It was just kind of following Walter around and seeing him, you know, going through, going into that celebratory locker room and following him out through the tunnel to, to celebrate with, uh, you know, not Kentucky fans, but, but Evansville fans. And there were a bunch of them that stayed behind. And um, it really was kind of a cool thing to see and him and Tony Delk embracing each other. And uh, if, it, if it wasn't such a stunning, crushing loss for Kentucky, I would imagine a lot of Kentucky fans, and some still did, uh, you know, feel some tenderness in that moment. It's a, it's a, it's a great, you know, a great thing for an alum. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bury that loss for Kentucky for now and, and uh, focus a little bit on football and, and, you know, obviously a pretty important game on Saturday because you, if you win this one, and it's a very, very winnable uh, you've basically punched your ticket to a bowl game. Yeah, you want to talk about crushing losses. Losing to Vanderbilt on Saturday would be a crushing, crushing loss because that would ultimately make it a guarantee that you go into the Louisville game needing to win it to become bowl eligible, and you absolutely want to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would cap off the, you know, one of the worst weeks in Kentucky sports history. Uh, if they lost, if they... If they blew a, lo- a lead and lost to Tennessee at home, uh, lost to Evansville at home in basketball while ranked number one, and then managed to lose to Vanderbilt to put their bowl hopes in major jeopardy, I think I think that would maybe be the worst you know week single week stretch in a long long time. And you know, rivaling last year was it last year that they yes. lost by, they lost by thirty four to Duke. Yes, uh, I feel like they maybe lost a big recruit in that time too in basketball. Committed somewhere else, and then lost. Then same thing, you know, went and got pounded by uh, Tennessee in football with with their best team in years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this this is a little bit kind of eerily similar. Um, I would say, and coming they, off the loss to Georgia, which would have you know won the SEC East. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you you know you have within that sort of week long window, you you you've dashed your, you've dashed your hopes of uh, going to a you know an SEC championship game for the first time ever, uh, and then you, you back it up with just a, a total letdown against Tennessee. So yeah, I think they're hoping uh everyone everyone involved in UK athletics is probably hoping to not go down the the 
total depression rabbit hole that no. would come that would come from a loss at Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a game they should absolutely absolutely should win. Um, I haven't even seen if the Lions come out, but I would assume they'd be favored on the road in this game. UK opened as an eight point favorite, and it's now moved to a ten point favorite. Oh wow! So, People betting it up. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, Vanderbilt doesn't have much to play for. Um, they're just objectively bad, and you know, I, I just Kentucky needs this game. There's a whole lot of reasons why you 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 know you'd think Kentucky uh, goes and gets this one, but I, I, nothing's a gimme. I don't think at this point with this this team with with a somewhat limited offense. The weather for Saturday in Nashville: 52 degrees and sunny, so we don't oh, have to worry nice. about a rain game. And uh, the mood seems to be from the team that they have moved on. That Lynn Bowden is, has been the leader that they need him to be, and that the players are. Uh, thinking about all the good things they did against Tennessee. And Eddie Grant said they're just preaching, stay in the course. And they know they still have a bowl game to play for. So uh, I don't think uh, that's a concern that one loss becomes two. Uh, but, you know, for all the criticism, uh, somebody asked Eddie Grant if, if he and Darren Henshaw talk about it at all, um, the how, to, how to battle the criticism or anything that we don't. We don't pay it one bit of attention whatsoever. Uh, what we talk about is how we're going to win the next game. And when asked about Sawyer Smith, he said, Eddie Grand did, we got two quarterbacks available. It's a situational thing. And we do talk every Sunday what would dictate going to Sawyer Smith in the game. Uh, and Henshaw mentioned that Sawyer Smith had a great practice on Tuesday. So uh, I guess he is available, but I just do not see them uh, going that way. And they're not talking like that's really what they're thinking about. It sounds like that uh, they're doing more uh, with with Lynn Bowden in the passing game. He said we keep the same amount of reps in in the passing game in practice that we keep it going, and that there are some different things they're trying to work on with Lynn in the passing game. But um, that the funny moment was when someone asked if uh, Eddie Grant had thought about putting Sawyer Smith in there to sneak the ball towards the end of the game down at the goal line, the way they brought him in to sneak it. Uh, for a fourth down conversion. And Eddie Grant said, uh, not at the two. We're not doing that on fourth down from the two because we would have been run out of town if uh, that would have happened. But, uh, yeah, maybe if it was closer at the one, yeah, they would have definitely thought about uh, bringing him in. But that that would have been – could you imagine if that wouldn't have worked? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. All the – like the exact same people that are clamoring for that kid, if they brought him in and he stunk – or threw a pick, or made fumbled the snap, then everybody would have questioned that decision. I, you know, I, I, I think I've made it pretty clear that I don't have, uh, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any sort of um, reservations about um, sticking with Lynn Bowden. I think it's the thing to do, and especially going into this game, you know, against right. Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt ranks. 13th in the SEC in run defense, and uh, they'd probably be at the bottom of the league if Arkansas didn't exist. <laughs> well, they yeah. would be at the bottom of the league if Arkansas didn't exist. Arkansas is uh, horrifically bad, uh, but Vanderbilt's kind of right there. They, they, they're both giving up uh, a little over 5.2 yards per carry uh, around, you know, Vanderbilt's almost 200 yards rushing a game allowed. Um has given up 18 rushing touchdowns in nine games. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, to me, you stick with you stick with the rushing approach. Whatever, no matter what Sawyer Smith's status is, I think you stick with the ball control. You know, the only way to me, the only way a team like Vanderbilt beats you 
is if you if you go out there and try to throw it 40 times and throw three picks and a couple of them are you know go back the other way for touchdowns you know i i think the i think the smart play in this game is attack them where you know they stink which is run defense with a running quarterback and they've had success kentucky has in every game running the football when it's starting with the arkansas game and uh, into the Georgia game, even then they had success. I mean, that game was zero zero at halftime. And if and if there's you know there were two I think longer runs called back by Lynn Bowden that not only could have changed the score of that game but also kind of changed the numbers on on rushing the ball. I mean he he was effectively over a hundred yards rushing in every game he's been the quarterback. Exactly. Um, you know, and they they ran for three hundred in this last game uh, against Vanderbilt. Make one play at the one yard line and and they win the game. So. Um, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I, it's hard for me to, uh, to think you go, it, it makes any sense to go away from that. Um, and I think too, you know, maybe we can save this for the next segment, but they've, uh, you know, they, they saw some positive things and I think maybe a new pecking order has emerged in, in what they want to do with their running backs. Um, you might have a guy who can be a battering ram now and Chris Rodriguez. Uh, I think you just. Just ride that thing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's save uh, talking about the running backs for the next segment. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, A.J. Rose, uh, all that. Uh, Eddie Grant had some information on that, and we'll get into you know fans' complaints about not seeing more of Cavassier Smoke and all that. So that's what we'll uh, talk about next on Locked on Kentucky. Uh, right now we'll take a break, and we'll start with uh, Buffalo Trace. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week, year-round, like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked On Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. I'm with Fox 56. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the running back situation with the Kentucky football team. And Chris Rodriguez worked his way out of the doghouse. He had those fumbles early in the season, and then he was a ghost. But Eddie Grand said that they still used him on special teams, and then he just kept getting better and better. And during that whole time, didn't say a word, didn't complain, and he earned the right to get the touches that he had. And then he also had the, the hot hand. And uh, he was asked about, Eddie Grand was, uh, about going with, um, you know, Rodriguez, how, how does he, how does he delegate or does he delegate and does he just feel for the hot hand and all that? But he says, absolutely. There is delegation and that he has someone tell him, you know, every series, uh, you know, how many, how many plays each running back has had. And so he tries to even that out. And he said, Kavasi smoke was rolling and he did have the hot hand for a minute, but he got dinged up a little bit and that's why he came out. And then when he came out, Rodriguez got going 
and they kind of stuck with Chris Rodriguez. But uh, A.J. Rose has his moments, but for me, I think the two best running backs on the team are Chris Rodriguez and Gavassier Smoke. Yeah, I you know I don't I don't want to insult AJ Rose. He's a great kid, Eagle Scout, got a great story. He's you know been patient and waited his turn behind Benny Snell, and this was his opportunity to kind of take the lead. But I think we got enough evidence that you know at this point that you've got you know one ground and pound kind of battering ram option, and that's Chris Rodriguez, and you've got one home run threat, uh, and that's Cavassier Smoke. Uh, and then your your third option to me is A.J. Rose, who's a very good, solid running back. Uh, he's perfectly capable. I think if they had a more traditional offense where there was a lot of a, a threat of a passing game, um, maybe that opens up some more things for him. But to me, you know, you've got to either hit a home run with your running backs or in those situations where everybody knows you're going to run it and you got to get a yard, you got to have a guy who can do that. Um, and so – I think that's exactly right. I think those are the two options um, that give them a chance to um, to succeed. I mean, I think between the two of them, if if you really lean on them primarily, in addition to having Lynn Bowden and having sort of that that the read where a defense has got to pick its poison a little bit, um, I think they're going to continue to be able to run all over people. Uh, it remains to be seen whether they can add at least a a hint of a passing game to, to keep defenses honest. But even if, if they can't, to me, that even, that even makes, um, in particular, Chris Rodriguez more important because, um, you know, when everybody's putting, when they're putting eight, nine guys in the box, uh, you better have a, a dude who can turn his legs and at least, you know, move forward, uh, not get tackled behind the line of scrimmage. And I think he's their only guy. Yeah. And, Another guy, if if they had, if one of those guys were to get hurt, a guy that uh, who's a freshman who they're they're holding holding on to 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 redshirt, and I wonder if we may see him in the UT Martin game. But that's this Travis Tisdale, the, yeah. the young guy that's been compared to Boom Williams because of his speed. And I remember on media day asking uh, another freshman, Tay Tay Crooms, the receiver out of Butler High School in Louisville. Uh, because he was so fast, he like ran a four two or something when when he came on campus, and I asked him if he was faster than Travis Tisdale, and he goes, "Oh no, no." Oh, I'd wow. like to say I'm the fastest guy on the team, but no, Tisdale's got me a little bit. Yeah, and, and, I know Stoops told told uh, I can't. I was talking to him specifically. I think I was. I think I was working in the summer on the the state of the program series that we do, and he mentioned we kind of went position group by position group and he just unprompted said and, and by the way <laughs> this Tisdale kid is has one of the fastest times we've ever clocked uh yeah. and so that that was certainly eye-opening and, and that you you bring up a really good and interesting and important point uh that we haven't really talked about uh and you can easily kind of forget about we're at the the tail end of the season where you can kind of start to throw some of your promising freshmen out there and still preserve their red shirt. You can play them for these last three or four games. They can get four up to four games, I believe, uh, and still maintain a red shirt year. So there's really no harm. Uh, you've lost Lynn Bowden as a punt and kickoff returner for the most part because he's playing quarterback. Do you see a guy like Tisdale get back there in that role, one of those roles? Um, I want to see him because just just in hearing that, you know, you hear about a guy that's got electric kind of speed. Um, I'm I'm intrigued by that. That Travis Tisdale, um, 
was a guy who picked Kentucky over Nebraska, Ole Miss, and Penn State. All had scholarship offers out to him. And in that in that fourth down and two situation against Tennessee, not at the moment they ran the play, but after the fact, I thought to myself, what if you could have had a guy with his speed in that spot? Running that, that option play, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to take that pitch when it's a race to the pylon and you got that kind of speed. Now, there's no way I would – recommend them putting that kid in that spot at that time. Uh, but it, it it did cross my mind that if he was more ready to go, uh, but th- I mean, with three running backs, it's already hard to get all those guys touches. It's going to be difficult for Tisdale, but I could definitely see in that UT Martin game that maybe they work him in some more. I, I don't know, maybe even the Vanderbilt game, since there's three games left and they get to play four and still hold their red shirt. If we see him a little more, and maybe he's been out there on special teams and I just haven't noticed because it's you know hard to pay attention to everybody who's out there on special teams. But he's one of those guys that uh, is definitely um, uh, a promising uh, prospect in the backfield. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I love – I think one of the best rule changes in a long time in college football is, and it, well, it would be better if they just gave these guys five to play five, but short of that, um, at least giving them an opportunity to play as freshmen to get a little bit of experience and then still take a red shirt. I think it's great. Um, you know, because if you, you know, if you're early in the season and you, you have a, just a rash of injuries and you need somebody, you can play them. Or if you get to the end of the season and you need a jolt, you know, you, you have some late season injuries and you need a jolt or you just need to add a playmaker and a guy over the course of the year has kind of learned some things and shown some things in practice. You can throw him out there. And and two, it's kind of cool because it adds an element of surprise. I mean, you know, all these teams have been scouting yeah. you all year and then and you you have no idea what they're about to break out from their uh, their group of freshmen. So then yeah, maybe, Vander, maybe Vanderbilt has somebody they've been hiding. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, Tisdale is maybe the most intriguing option of the guys that can Kentucky could run out there in these final four games and and maybe make an impact. And we already saw JJ Weaver, um, you know, make a play or two there in I want to say it was the Missouri game maybe where he got a batted a pass down. Um, so he got the freshman um, outside linebacker defensive end who got in. But uh, back to the running backs, uh, the former co-host of this show, Curtis Birch, who now works with uh, UK, was out there asking some questions. And one of his angles was Nashville is the music city known for, you know, country music capital of the world. And so he asked a few of the players if they were uh, country music fans, who was their country favorite country artist. And so he asked Chris Rodriguez. And so you figure Chris Rodriguez is, ah, I, I'm not really a country fan. I'm um, that's not my style. No, Chris Rodriguez said they have the team has something they call break bread, where they tell something about themselves to a teammate that no one else knows about them. And it sounds like this is a weekly thing. It might have been one of the things that um, uh, Dean Hood brought in that Mark Stoops talked about during that first bye week, where they needed to kind of. Uh, regroup and kind of bring the team closer together and do some things to get their heads right to enter that, that next stretch. And during this, Rodriguez admitted that he kind of likes country music and that Jason Aldean is his favorite country artist. And so he was asked how that even came about. And he said that he was came home one day and his uncle was like, hey, you got to listen to this country song. And Chris was like, what? What, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, man, you got to listen to this. He said it was the song Dirt Road by Jason Aldean when he was like in the eighth grade. And he loved that song. And since then, 
he started listening to country music. I have a, a crazy story about uh, about Old Town Road. One of my uh, my best friends, well, my best friend growing up, his name's Paul Sykes, a musician, singer, songwriter, producer in Nashville, really great guitarist. Uh, he he has for the last year been touring with Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, and so he ended up basically, he, he wasn't involved in the, uh, writing, unfortunately for him, or he'd be rich right now. He wasn't involved in the process of, of the, of writing Old Town Road. Uh, but he ended up in a bunch of different shows with Billy Ray playing Old Town Road. And and like at one point they they played in front of like 80,000 people going nuts and singing it back to them on stage. And he said, just this whole Old Town Road ride has been uh incredible and it really has been i mean like everything about yeah. it uh you know it was what i think it set the new record for most consecutive weeks at number one yes um mm-hmm. anyway uh yeah so well uh, i gotta play off of that because i've got a billy ray cyrus story is that when achy breaky heart came out i was a teenager working at an am country radio station in williamsburg kentucky and that song was requested every five minutes. I mean, the oh phones never. I, I mean, I'll never most, forget what a what a ridiculously popular. Uh, yeah, I song mean, it was, that was for that time. It was as popular as Old Town Road is now. I mean, it just was insane. And I grew to absolutely loathe yes. the song and Billy Ray Cyrus for that very reason. Is that I got inundated for four hours, uh, several days a week. Asking for achy, breaky heart. Uh, yeah, I grew I grew up in near Nashville. My uh, my aunt was an yeah. RCA record promoter, and so uh, she she would work with you know. I, I, she took me when I was like 12, 13 years old to meet like Clint Black and Alan Jackson and and Chattahoochee's like was like my all time favorite country song. Yeah, and uh, my sis I can remember my sisters and I in the car with our parents would drive them insane because we would sing every word of of achy breaky heart and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chattahoochee and John Deere Green were were the uh, were the three. John Deere Green is one of the great country songs of all time. It is Joe Diffie. I mean, yeah. it's Joe Diffie, right? Uh, am I remembering I think that so. Right? I think so. Billy I can't Bob be sure. Love but... Charlene. Yeah, <laughs> it's, such yeah. A, it's such a great song. I mean, it is a fantastic song. Uh, anyway. We need to but take get, a break. <laughs> on, Al, on the Alan Jackson note, though, Logan Stenberg said that Alan Jackson is his favorite. Uh, country artist. So, yeah. All right. We'll, I'm with we'll make, when we come back, yeah, I love Alan Jackson. I mean, Midnight in Montgomery. Come on. Um, when we come back uh, here on Locked On Kentucky, we'll talk some UK basketball. The early signing period is underway. Who has signed? Who's going to sign? We'll get into that a little bit uh, when Locked On Kentucky continues. <laughs> Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. Way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than a hoochie coochie. That's a great. That's a great. That's a that's a great. Uh, a great lyric. It is a great lyric. Summertime I mean, blues. That was a good. That was a good song. I mean, Alan Jackson he, had a lot of mega hits. That's a chasing what, that's that a neon movie. rainbow. I mean, from the very beginning, chasing that neon rainbow is such a great country song as well. Just talking about living that honky tonk dream. Yeah. And here in the real world, and he just—I don't know how many of those he wrote, but whoever was writing for oh, he, him, his, it I mean, him. he was a hit machine. Yeah, I mean, and I—I I, uh, errantly excluded um, Garth Brooks. I mean, though, he—I got to add him to my list of, of country 
legends. I could sing a million of his songs. I used to sing "The Dance" was my uh, my buddy. I told oh. you my buddy, my buddy Paul, that uh, is a is a musician in Nashville. He and I used to perform together when we were young. And we would, <laughs> <laughs> at like talent shows and stuff, we would sing "The Dance." Uh, and it's funny. We went on like a when I first got married, my wife and I went on a cruise ship, and. Uh, there was like a karaoke in the you know the bar or whatever the 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 nightclub on the ship, yeah. And like everybody sings like happy like fun <laughs> like energetic songs uh, at karaoke, but like the song I can really sing is the dance. And like I, <laughs> so I, so I sang the dance and I came back and my wife was like, I think you pretty much ruined the entire mood. In, in yeah, it brought place. everybody like, that down. Is, that is really sad. Please don't ever do that again. Well, that song is a downer for me, too, because I think I was a junior in high school at a dance at my school, and the girl I was dating, uh, we had been on the rocks for a couple oh, days. Oh, no, dumped you all during during the and, dance? And we took we went and, and danced to the dance, and it was our last dance. That was it. After that, we were broken up for good. Oh, man, that is, that is teen angst movie level. Uh, so I can't hear that song without thinking of that. Yeah, I, I'm, the, I'm the same way with uh, what was it Sixpence None the Richer uh, the the song to she was it she's all that was that the name of that movie mm-hmm. yeah uh, mm-hmm. I got broken up with during that and so that song <laughs> makes <it> makes me <laughs> sad. <laughs> okay, oh. this has got gone completely off the rails. Speaking uh, yeah, of depressing, absolutely. let's get back to talking about Kentucky basketball. Uh, yeah, so. Things are after after last night after uh, after Tuesday night and Kentucky gets beat at home by Evansville as the number one team in the country. It, it looks like all their games might be a challenge for a while, but this is a score that is pretty stunning tonight and means that uh, it's time to be on high alert high alert for some of the the remaining uh, non conference games. Ohio State that they're gonna the team they're gonna play in Vegas in the CBS Sports Classic this year, yes. Which maybe didn't feel like it was gonna be like that thrilling of a matchup. Ohio State is has just bludgeoned Villanova tonight, number ten Villanova. Uh, with wow. Thir- with thirty seconds to go as we're recording this uh, on Wednesday night, they're up twenty five. They were up like thirty five at one point. Goodness. Uh, just demolished them. I mean, wire to wire demolished Villanova. So that game is now uh, very much on my radar and should be for everybody uh, when Kentucky travels out there. It's they're going to be Kentucky's going to lose some more games. And oh, know, absolutely, there, there are going to be some more lumps to be taken. I, I still think this team has a lot of the pieces to be a really, really good team by the end of the year, and they may, you know kind of dial in with the same kind of focus they had against Michigan State and maybe this game gets their attention and they they get it together but they're still going to lose some more games they're still number four Louisville out there they're they're cruising in the first half uh of their game against Indiana State already up by over 20 points um there's going to be some some tough ones for sure Texas Tech not won't be till after the new year uh in late January as part of the Big 12 challenge but that that'll be a a bear to go out there and play well, if you just look at that trip to Vegas, uh, I don't think it sets up well for Kentucky at all unless they're, I mean, really tuned in by that point because it's right before Christmas. You've got the Wednesday game against Utah in Las Vegas, and then you're there on Thursday and Friday. 
yes. before you play Ohio State at a 5:15 game. That Utah game is not till 11 o'clock at night on Wednesday, so they're out late. Yeah, well, it's eleven Eastern, so it won't be quite as bad out there. It'll be like an right. eight o'clock, uh, eight o'clock local tip. But yeah, it, right. it's it's not ideal. You do I don't think I, I don't think anybody wants their their group of college age young men in Las Vegas for five days on what should be a business trip. And then you know after the Ohio State game, which is Saturday, he's going to say, "Okay, I'm giving these guys a break." Sunday being the twenty second, and then you know Christmas being on. Uh, Wednesday. And then they come back and play Louisville. <laughs> right. Then he'll yeah. have, what, maybe two days or something. I don't know if he'll practice them on Christmas Day, but he always gives them a couple of days off right there around the holidays, and you're coming. So that mindset of, okay, we're almost to our little Christmas break that we get, and we're in Vegas for four days uh, with two days in between games. Uh, that could be that could be something else right there. Yeah, one of, one of two things happens. I think either either they get in full blown, they send everybody into full blown panic mode by losing a couple days in the span of a week, a couple <laughs> games in the span of a week, or or they kind of like I said, or they dial it in like they did and really I think surprised everybody in the opener against Michigan State, and they play you know at their their best in those games, win them both. That's the thing. If you you know they have Georgia Tech. Utah, those are eh, but they're still against Power 5 opponents. Georgia Tech, Utah, Ohio State, Louisville, all in short order there in yeah. December. If you if you sweep those, then it, it's the exact opposite effect. You go, uh, that you know, maybe that Evansville game was good for them. You know, got their right. attention. Uh, right. And then you're right back on track. I mean, as you mentioned, Joe and Artie's already written a piece <laughs> about how, yeah. they, how they could still be the number one overall seed. It's like, so could everybody in America right now, because conceivably exactly. they could all win all the rest of their games. Probably not going to happen. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm just, like, aghast at this uh, Ohio State score. I, I, I do think they have a great coach in Holtman, uh, but um, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. So that's going to be a tough one. Well, before we go, let's mention early signing period. Terrence Clark has signed his national letter of intent. The uh, um, shooting guard, um, well, he's like number four in the country overall player. That yep. So he's in. Uh, and then Lance Ware, the power forward, said that he would sign on um, Thursday. And then uh, the small forward, um, Cameron Fletcher also said that he's planning on signing during the signing period. So you got BJ Boston out there that is likely to also sign. And then another power forward, Isaiah Jackson. He's going to announce Saturday if he's going to UK, Alabama, or Syracuse. One, I don't know why you would even think about Syracuse, but uh, it looks like Alabama, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the vibe I'm getting. I certainly wouldn't, I don't, I, I almost never count Kentucky out of recruitment like this. To me, it's, you know, certainly the, Certainly, the more prestigious of all his potential options, but I, you know, the buzz has all the sort of uh, momentum seems to have shifted to Alabama in, in the last several weeks. Um, you know, it'd be a, a big get for them, especially it, the fact that it would be in the early signing period if they did land him, because then it would kind of fill out their front court a little bit. They're light there; they have Lance Ware, and that's it. Uh, I do think they're going to look junior college slash grad grad transfer and and keep kind of riding that train to, in terms of big men for the foreseeable yeah. future. Uh, but they need to add. They also need to add a high end, at least one more high end high school kid. There's there's Paolo Banchero out there who's a fantastic player, top five player in the 2021 class that Kentucky is in great shape with from out in Seattle. Uh, that I think also. 
there's a, a very strong possibility wherever he's going that he, that he reclassifies. If they could get him and get him to move up, that's all they'd need. Um, but it'll be interesting. I think I think significant to go ahead and get everybody you know that's committed wrapped up, and it looks like they will officially signed um, in this class. Um, and then you just kind of go to work on how do you finish it. You know, can you convince a Palo Benjero to to reclassify and come join this group? At that point, you you know even without getting Cade Cunningham, I think you end up with a super team. Um, you know, can you get a, a Jonathan Kaminga, who's arguably to me the best player overall. Uh, in the 2021 class and is a six eight forward um, that they're also in good shape with. Can you get him and can you get him to reclassify? If, if either and certainly if both of those guys jumps into this class for Kentucky, then they're, you know, it's uh, mega hype time for, for what they'll be next year. And obviously Devin Askew will not sign in this early signing period because he's still technically in the 2021 class. But again, he's another guy that I would be stunned if he doesn't move up. And without with, without them getting Cade Cunningham, they need that to happen. Uh, and I think it's I think it will happen. He'll be their point guard of the future um, in this group. Otherwise, everybody else I think is going to get it signed uh, signed and sealed here in the next couple days. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Kentucky. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at d r i e f f e r, and Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore a t h. Be sure to listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked on Kentucky. And we will talk to you tomorrow. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.